lot of things here as tonight is really a message for us as a church. It ties into the Christmas uh, season and the Lord kind of directed me tonight to speak on this thought, how to deliver God's message of Christmas. And certainly there is a message to deliver. And so if you have your Bibles there, Luke chapter number two, just three verses tonight we'll read as our text. And the Bible says, beginning in verse number 10, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless and use this tonight in our lives. Lord, thank you again for this evening. Thank you for the music that has prepared our hearts. And I pray that you would just, uh, with your word tonight, you would open our eyes, Lord, to the need around us, and God, that you would give us a greater burden for those that do not know you yet. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You know, we look at these verses and, of course, the Christmas story, and we can learn a lot of lessons, and tonight we're actually going to learn some lessons from the angels that announce the birth of Christ, and, of course, God uses uh, many avenues to get the message out in the Bible. But I love this thought here, how God uses the angels and how that if we learn these lessons tonight, it will help us, just like the angel, to be a more effective messenger for the Lord. When you study the Word of God, and there's a lot of misconceptions and things outside of the Word of God. You do not find those things. There's a lot of mysticism and things surrounding angels, but it is true that in the Bible, God uses angels, and He uses them for many purposes. But probably the primary purpose of angels in the Word of God is to deliver a message. God used them to deliver a message. The very word angel, angelos, means a messenger. Uh, if you look in my favorite dictionary, because it, it uses biblical terms when it gives definitions, is a dictionary called Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, tremendous dictionary. And their definition there, Webster's definition of the word messenger is one that is employed to communicate news or information from one person to another at a distance. That's what a messenger is. That's the job of a messenger. And when you think about God using these angels as messengers, they play a huge role in many places in the Word of God, especially in the birth of God's Son, Jesus. They deliver messages from God. Of course, we know to Mary and, of course, Joseph, the shepherds, and even uh, to the wise men. And so it is of all of these messages that were delivered by angels or an angel, the one message I think that is very similar to what God gives to us as believers is the message that the angel gave to the shepherds because it is very similar to the, the role that God gives to us as believers that uh, this is a part of what we would call God's redemption plan, uh, that God wants us as believers to carry his message. God wants us to, 
to uh, go to a people, a specific people, it, it runs along the same lines of how God sent an angel with a specific message uh, by, for a specific group of people on a Bethlehem hillside. And, you know, you think about this, all of us have family members, friends, co-workers, that God wants us to go to them with a, a specific message, a re, God's redemption message to those that are lost that have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. In other words, we oftentimes say in regards to the church that we've been commissioned by God to carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. Notice that in your notes there, Mark 16, 15, the Bible says that he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now the problem is not with the gospel. We know that the gospel still works. Uh, we know that there is power in the gospel. The problem is in the fact that some messengers are extremely ineffective for the Lord. Now certainly I'm not down on anybody. I'm not here to chide anybody tonight. But the Bible does tell us that we are to be witnesses unto the Lord, that we are to be telling others, we are to be <clears throat> carrying God's message to the world just like the angels did during the Christmas story. I remember years ago, and I love hearing his stories. Some of you might know the man by the name of Dr. David Gibbs. He's a big man for Jesus. And when I say big man, he's a big man. And Dr. Gibbs has uh, really the joy of the Lord everywhere he goes. He just, <clears throat> he lights up a room. He, he really is, uh, you know, he's not a preacher per se of the gospel. He's a lawyer. Uh, some of you have heard of Christian Law Association. That's, that's his firm. He started that many years ago. And he didn't start it so that he could get rich. He, he really started it Christian Law Association to be a blessing to Christians, to pastors and churches and, and, and maybe Christian business people or just Christians individually that might face challenges and persecution and various things like that. Some of you remember maybe years ago the Terry Schiavo case that was very popular and was on the news and, and it was uh, the Gibbs Law Firm that, that defended Ter Terry Schiavo and of course uh, many of you remember how that situation went, but Dr. Gibbs is a man that, that really is a champion for uh, the, the Word of God and for God's people, and I, I love the fact that, you know, he's a lawyer, so he's like the Apostle Paul. He knows how to argue. Now, not like argue in a bad way, and a lot of times he'll say things, and sometimes he's even been very honest. Sometimes he's probably a little sharp with the tongue, sharper than he should be. And, uh, and, and I love the fact that he takes the opportunities that God gives to him. And he told the story one time where he was, he was uh, going to go with a pastor to, I don't know if it was out of the country or to another place. And they, uh, the, the pastor and him, they got to the airport and they had a couple check-in bags. They checked those in and then they made their way down to the gate. And they were waiting at the gate. They were sitting there and they began to call people to line up and they were get, began to line up for the flight and and their numbers weren't like first, but they were kind of in the middle of, of, of when they should line up and, and board the plane. And it came time, and Dr. Gibbs said to the pastor he was with, he said, he said, Pastor, listen, we need to get in line. And the pastor says, no, he says, I want to wait. 
And Dr. Gibbs, he started getting antsy. He said, listen, pastor, we need to get on this plane. And he says, oh, we'll get on the plane. He says, no problem about that. And, and so Dr. Gibbs sat there trying to be patient as he tells the story. And he said a little bit longer, he says more and more people. And he says, pastor, look, they're, they're down to almost the last couple of people. He says, we need to get on that plane. And the pastor said, okay, he says, it, it, let's, let's go ahead. He says, we'll get in line. And he says, we were the last ones on the plane. And he says, as we were boarding the plane, he said, uh, I noticed that he was kind of fidgeting when he got on the plane. And of course, he says, I was behind him. And, and he says, I'm a rather large man. Dr. Gibbs takes up the entire aisle and then some. And he was making his way down the aisle behind the pastor. And of course, uh, at the time, it was, it was one of those flights where first come, first sit down. And so the only seats that were left were all the way back in the back of the plane. And Dr. Gibbs said that while this pastor was in front of him, he was fidgeting around and he was kind of doing one of these. And he says, I had no idea what he was doing. And he says, and he's walking down the aisle and he says, people are already seated. They're watching us. And he says he would stop and he would turn. And then he would he'd walk a little bit and he'd turn. And he'd walk a little bit further and he'd turn. And every time he did, he was holding his jacket. And he said, I thought, what is he doing? And he says, we got to the back of the plane, and he turned around to get into his seat, and he goes, and then I realized what he was doing, because he had on the front of his shirt, he had unbuttoned his shirt, and on his t-shirt said, if you want to know how to go to heaven, come see me. <laughs> and he's on an airplane. And Dr. Gibbs said, he goes, I couldn't believe it. He said, I got back there. He goes, the only seat that was left for me was a middle seat. He says, I, I began to grumble. I began to complain. I asked the stewardess if, they could, if she could ask somebody to move so I could sit on the end. And nobody would move. And he said, I, I started getting a little bit upset with the stewardess and some of the people. And, and, and he, he said, of course, I finally just had to just sit down in the middle seat. He goes, I felt sorry for those people that were sitting on both sides of me. And he said, I sat down there and he says, I'm, here I am feeling all bad. You know, I can't believe I got to sit in the middle. Can't believe the pastor made me wait to get on the plane. And he says, and he goes, one by one, after we got up in the air about 30,000 feet, we leveled out. He said, people started coming back. He said, I thought they were coming back to go to the restroom. He goes, now some of them did. But he said, while they were standing there in line, I heard people say, are you the one that was wearing that shirt? I wanted to talk to you about that. And he said he led six people to Christ while they were standing in line to use the bathroom on an airplane. Dr. Gibbs, you know, he, he, his mind, you know, he's thinking. And he, the way he tells the story, I wish you could hear him tell it so much better than I can. He says, you know, I got to thinking. He says, with my size, he goes, I could put the whole Bible on my shirt. You know? <laughs> But he said, he said, here's a pastor. He says, all this I was thinking about doing was getting on a plane and flying wherever we were going. He said, but he was thinking about people, about their eternity, where they would spend it. He said, boy, I felt really bad thinking about that, about how he really was wanting to get the message out. You know, the angels that announced uh, the, the, the birth of Christ to the shepherds, they were just like that 
pastor. The angel was highly effective. Matter of fact, uh, you know that because as you read the story in Luke 2 and verse number 8, you find the shepherds, they were, they were doing what shepherds do. They were abiding in the fields. They were wa keeping watch over their flock by night. They were just going through their routines, their daily routines. But it's amazing, about seven verses later, you find because of the angel's message, these same shepherds that were consumed, not in a bad way, but in a good way, with what their duty was, they were a shepherd. You find them seven verses later, and they had left their daily routines. And the Bible says now they're seeking Christ with haste. The purpose of their life had changed. They really had forgot about the daily routines of life. And I thought about those shepherds and how the shepherd's message and how, how the angel's message to the shepherds and how their, their life changed. And I thought to myself, whenever I, I want to share a message, God's message with those around me, that's the kind of response that, that we should hope for when we deliver God's message is that people like those on the plane would come to us and people would say, tell me more about Jesus. Tell me more how I can know for sure that I'm going to heaven someday. Not only did the shepherds immediately respond to the angel's message, and they did it with interest, but shortly after that, what's amazing is, is that those shepherds then became messengers of the same message. You see, if you're saved tonight... You have a message to tell. See, a lot of times people think, well, I don't, I don't know a lot of scripture. I don't know the Romans road. I've never talked to somebody about the Lord. Everybody has a testimony. Everybody can tell somebody how you came to know Christ. Maybe you could tell them how God used someone to reach you. You could tell them a little bit about where you were when God found you. See, I, I love the, the thought here how these, these shepherds became messengers themselves from the angel's message tonight. I just want to take a couple quick minutes and, and, and see what we can learn in our lives that would help us to be more effective in our delivery of God's message to the world. And so notice three things with me tonight about God's message. Notice, first of all, that as we give out his message, his message should include thrill. The Bible says in verse number 10 of Luke 2, the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you what kind of tidings? Good tidings of what kind of joy? Great joy. Good tidings of great joy. Notice which shall be to how many people? All people. I wrote these words down. I don't think the world is ever going to be attracted to a gospel that is being delivered by grouches and grinches. I mean, who would want what you have if you're like Dr. Gibbs on that plane? If you don't have the joy of the Lord, if you're not excited about being a Christian, people will look at you, people will look at me and say, listen, I want nothing to do with that. But you get around a Christian that loves God and is appreciative of what the Lord has done. And I'll tell you, people will be attracted to that. And the first thing that the angel wanted the shepherds to know was this, that he had 
good news for them. How many of you are tired of bad news? You know, how many, like, like Trump, how many of you are tired of fake news? <laughs> As he often says. But listen, God's news is good news. You know, years ago there was a great preacher, fiery preacher, that, that actually was, uh, was destined to be a, a Major League Baseball player, and his uh, direction in his life was changed, and I really believe it was the Lord. I don't know if you ever heard the name Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was supposedly going to be one of the greatest baseball, baseball players that ever played the game. But God providentially changed the direction of his life. And when Billy Sunday would preach, every time he would preach, he would use these ver this verse here, Isaiah 61.1. And notice, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. When you and I are sharing our faith in Christ, I really believe, just like Billy believed, that our motto as a Christian should be that, listen, we have good tidings of great joy. Uh, one of the places, a lot of times I'll end up taking somebody that is wanting to know how they can be saved is over into the book of Romans, and there's many verses there, but I'll eventually come up on Romans chapter 10 and verse number th uh, 13. Notice here, or verse number 15, how shall they preach except they be sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You see, when we go to somebody's door or we sit down at work in the break room or we sit down with a, a, a family member or friend, we have good tidings of great joy to share with them. There's a lot of great songs. Brother Kenny uh, led us with some today. One of those songs, the, the lyrics go this way, from God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. You see, folks, the world needs to hear. And there needs to be a genuine joy in our lives. And I'll tell you this, that if you have the joy of the Lord, it is attractive to people. People love to get around somebody and say, you know, there's something about him. There's something about her. I can't put my finger on it, but I find that it's not about us, that as they are attracted, they will come, they will listen, and hopefully as they listen to us, we will share God's message with them. You see, it all begins, the message begins with joy. But notice also his message in Luke chapter 2 and verse 11 includes truth. Not only the thrill of joy, but notice truth. Look in verse 11, the Bible says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
See the words there, Christ the Lord, that's Jesus. Jesus said many things about himself when he was on this earth, but one of the things that he said in John 14 was this, he said, I am the truth. The world today needs the truth. They don't need a lie. Jesus said in John 8, 32, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Look, may God help us to never water down the truth, to never compromise or change the truth. How many of you, uh, call it what you want, people have different things they would call it, uh, where I came from they called it soda. How many of you like soda that's been watered down? To me it's good for nothing. But yet so many people want to water down God's word. They lessen it. They cheapen it. They change it when they do that. People need to hear the truth. Now, don't get me wrong. They need to hear the truth in love. We need to speak the truth the right way. But Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. His message of truth that Jesus preached about himself was contained in what we call the gospel, the euangelion, which is the good news, and the good news is contained. Great, great passage for that here in your notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at these two verses. The Bible says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, do you see that right there in those two verses, you see that the Bible says that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. He did all of that according to the scripture. So what is the gospel? It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news, folks, is that we serve a risen Savior. I know it's Christmas time, but understand that that is why Jesus came. The Son of God came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus didn't come so that he can enjoy this world. He came to give his life so that all who would believe on him could have eternal life. And so as we think about the angel and bringing this message, I'll tell you what the angel did for the shepherds. He shot straight with them. He told them the truth. And from verse number 11, I want you to look at three very important truths. I want you to see this. Notice, first of all, letter A, the message of salvation is for all. The Bible says there in verse number 11, he says, for unto you, unto you is born. Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross for who? For you. He died on the cross for me. When I think about what he did, the gospel really is the only hope for every man. 1 Timothy 4.10, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because uh, we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Titus 2.11, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Salvation is for everyone. It is for all people. The Bible says that it is unto you 
So notice the message of salvation is for all people. Notice the second truth he gives in verse number 11. The means of salvation is through Christ. It's through Jesus. He says this, for unto you is a Savior born. Now, you study the religions of this world, and it, it, is, it is no... Uh, it's easy to understand that most religions, they don't claim in their statement of faith, if they have one, that there is some uh, Savior that, that is provided in their uh, religious beliefs. Now, they have their gods, they have their prophets, they have teachers, and they have priests, and many times it's almost as if they would say that these gods and prophets and teachers and priests, they're there to help you when you get in trouble but they will do it for a price. I talked to somebody after church this morning, and they're supposed to come see me this week. They simply are wanting to do what is right, and they were trying to do it at another church. By the way, this isn't the first time I've encountered this, where the churches in this area are willing or wanting to help, but they, they want to charge people for it. When I was in uh, Maryland, up in the Baltimore area years ago, the pastor that I served under in ministry, he told me he was going to do a funeral. He had been there 20 years, and he said to me, this is my 248th funeral in 20 years. I said, wow, you've had that many people in your church pass." And he, he looked at me and he said, Dane, no, he said, honestly, I haven't. He said, I've had some over the years that have passed and went home to be with the Lord. But he said, uh, early on, he says, really, within the first couple months, he said, I was at the funeral home. I was there with one of our families. They had a loved one that passed away. It really wasn't even a part of our church. He said, I was just there to support them. And, and they asked if I'd do the funeral service. And I told them that I would. He said, well, I was there at the funeral home. He said, I heard, couldn't, could not not hear it, but he said, I heard the funeral director over uh, on the other side of the room with a, with a family, and they were grieving over the loss of their loved one, and he says, by everything that I could hear, he says, I don't think that the person was a saved person. Uh, he goes, I don't think the family was probably attending a Bible-believing church. He said, it was kind of a sad situation, and he says, and then I heard th them telling the family that the church and the priest wanted $1,500 to do the, the funeral. And then they wanted another $1,000 to use the actual property to have the funeral. That, that, that didn't include the casket. That didn't include anything else. Went flowers, nothing. That was just what the church. And he said, I just, he goes, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And he said, I always, I always kept a small little stack. He goes, when I would go out, he goes, I'd put a little small stack of my business cards, you know, with my name and the church's name and that. And he says, I put them in my shirt pocket. And he said, I had some of those in my pocket, just a couple of them. And he said, when they finished and the family left, he said, I, I got up and I walked over. He goes, I never met the funeral director. And he said, I, I'm Jack Caldwell. He said, I'm, pa I'm the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk. And he said, I, I, I didn't mean to overhear, he goes, but he goes, I did. And he says, I just, my heart was broken. 
hearing that family weeping, just wanting closure, wanting to have somebody do a service for them and, and to honor the family and their loved one. And he, and he said to the funeral director, he, said, he says, I'm going to give you these cards. I'll bring more the next time. But he says, I promise you, he goes, you get somebody in here that does not have someone to do their funeral or can't afford who they want to do their funeral. He says, I will do any funeral for anyone for free. He goes, Dane, that's how I've done 248 funerals. We were back at the church probably a couple weeks later, and we were talking about some things. And, you know, his church was in Maryland. Probably 60% or more of his church was filled with people that had been Catholic that he had done funerals and give out the gospel and they had trusted Christ as their savior because somebody cared to tell them the truth. And when I look at what the Bible teaches here in verse 11, the means of salvation is through Jesus. The Bible says that he would be a savior. God knows that mankind, people, all of us are sinners. But instead of God commanding us as people to fix the problem ourselves, what did God do? God sent his son to be the substitute for us. I love that passage in Genesis 22 where Abraham took, took his son, went up on Mount Moriah, and there was a ram caught in the thicket, a beautiful type of what Jesus did for us. Peter in the New Testament wrote, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Earlier I read to you John chapter 8 verse 32. Look four verses later there in your notes and Jesus says these words, if the Son therefore shall make you free, what's the rest of that verse say? Yeah, those that Jesus pardons their sins, they are free indeed. I love what Jesus has done for us, Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. See, the, the, the message of salvation, it's for all. And the second truth that you see in verse number 11 is the, the means of salvation is through Jesus. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way that we can be saved. But then notice the third truth in verse number 11. The Bible says, which is Christ the Lord. Notice here, the third truth is that the Messiah of salvation was announced. The angel didn't just tell the shepherds that there was, would be a savior, but he actually named and said, he is Christ the Lord. Isaiah in the Old Testament said, tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? 
Hath not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Pretty definitive, folks. Go over to the New Testament, the book of Acts. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a Savior, and for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Hey, when Jesus came and Jesus began to minister while he was on this earth, and he lived among men for about 30, 33 years of his life, the Bible tells about how one day he came across a man by the name of Andrew. And Andrew had a brother by the name of Simon. We know him as Peter. And notice what Simon, what Andrew says to his brother Simon. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and he saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. We found the Messiah, the one that has been prophesied about, the anointed one, he says, which is being interpreted the Christ. <laughs> Folks, listen, that truth that I see here is that the Messiah of salvation, he is Christ the Lord. And as a messenger, the angel that day, he left no room for doubt or private interpretation. What he was saying to them that day, those shepherds, was a Savior is born, and that Savior is Christ the Lord. And so notice as we think about the message of God that it must include joy. There is great joy that God has given to us. Notice secondly, his message includes truth. And it's the truth about the salvation that Jesus brings. But then notice the third part of God's message is that it includes tutoring. You say tutoring, yes. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, and this should be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. See, as God's messengers, there's many times that we have the joy of the Lord. And there's a lot of times, listen, if we've been saved and we have some scripture that maybe we've taken to our hearts and we might carry a New Testament, we might have a gospel track when we go out into the community, we have the joy, we have the truth, but it's this third part that I think a lot of Christians struggle in. Now again, I'm not, I'm not down on anybody tonight. I've been where some of you are. A lot of Christians never talk to people about the Lord. They never share the gospel. They never share the truth with someone. When we go out into the community on Tuesdays and Saturdays, we don't go out to make visits. We go out to confront people with the love of God, the truth that Jesus loves them, that Christ died for their sins. And when you think about what this messenger was doing, he was bringing the truth to them, and that is exactly what we need to do is that we need to share the truth with them. But sometimes here's what happens is, with the joy of the Lord and the truth of the Word of God, after we have shared the message with people, it's almost as if we don't know what to do then. What do I do now? And, you know, I think of a man that God used in my life many years ago, Dr. Clarence Sexton at, at Crown College, where Lauren's going to school right now in Temple Baptist Church. And he used to always say that, that as we share the truth with people, what we need to do is draw the net. 
What he meant by that is, is that, you know, in, in the Bible times, if they would go fishing, they didn't fish like we do nowadays with, with a rod and reel. They would throw a net into the water, and they would bring the net back onto land or onto the ship. And as they drew that net, it would enclose the fish. Now, we all know that we can't save anyone. But as we confront them and share the truth with them, we give biblical instructions to people, it helps them to come to Christ. If we don't share biblical instructions with people how they can be saved, here's what happens is we leave them spiritually hanging. Because we've given them the truth, but yet we haven't drawn the net. We leave them hanging in unbelief. They are still lost in their sin. Now, again, this may, be, this may be new to you tonight. Maybe you've never heard something like this, but understand, I'm, I, personally, for three years, I sat in a church just like this. Matter of fact, same name, Bible Baptist Church. I heard the preacher preach time and time and time again. I heard the gospel, but I didn't know what to do with it. I, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know. I thought that the only way, nobody had ever explained to me, I didn't know that a person could be saved anywhere at any time. I thought the only place you could be saved was in a church during a service at the end during what we call an invitation, and the only place you could be saved is at an altar. Now, certainly the, the altar is here, and many people have come to the altar, and they've met the Lord here, and they've trusted Christ as their Savior. For me, honestly, when I got saved 35 years ago, I didn't get saved at the altar. I got saved sitting on that side of the auditorium about 12 pews back, sitting on the outside of that auditorium that night. And when I stood up by faith and started to walk towards the Lord, I really believe it was at that moment that I trusted Christ as my Savior. But see, a lot of times, people don't know what to think. They're just like I was. We cannot do the convicting work of the Holy Spirit of God, but what we can do is we can share, we can instruct those that have heard the truth. See, the angel came to the shepherds that were abiding in the fields, and they told the shepherds the steps that they were to take when they went with the message. But that was if they decided to respond to the announcement of the angel. They were told how they were going to find the baby. And after we share the gospel with a person, we should also share with them instructions from the Word of God that if they want to put their faith in Christ, that they can do that. Are you with me tonight? You see, a lot of times people hear the truth. But it's at a time where we should be praying as a Christian, Lord, help me to help them. See, that's what Andrew did with Peter. Andrew went and found his brother. He said, look, you've, you've got to come. Remember what the woman at the well did? She went into town. She said, come see a man that told me all that I ever did. Remember all the, all the people in town? Nobody believed her because of her reputation, but they came out, didn't they? It was 
church because she went into town and told them. You see, we've got to help them understand how much God loves them. But see, that step, we can't, I can't save someone. You can't either. But look at these verses that might help somebody, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How many of you, look at me, how many of you understood everything about salvation when you got saved? How many of you? My hand's not up. I just knew that I was a sinner and that Christ died for my sins. And that I needed to believe that in my heart and confess that to God. Verse 13 of that same chapter, look at it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. You know, a, a woman doesn't give birth to a child and leave the child. It's not, it's unnatural to do this. She doesn't leave that child on the doorstep. If God uses you, or maybe has been using you, in someone's life to talk to them about the Lord, God's given you and I the instructions to help people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But see, oftentimes we are not as effective as we should be. I, I love what the shepherds did when they heard the message from the angel, the messenger of God. They left what they were doing immediately and they went with haste to meet God. And you and I, if, if we got a greater burden for those that we know that are lost, that need Christ, now I'll just, I'll broaden it. This entire month and every Sunday, there will be people that will walk through the doors of this church that don't know Christ as their Savior. Do you know it's okay if you do it in a loving way, not to, not to embarrass someone, but I've been in services before, and it's not natural for me to do this, but I... I might see somebody, just by example, like Wally sitting here, I, I might see him in the service, and I might, I might see, and God might put on my heart, I, I don't really believe he's saved. Now, it's not me, I'm not questioning, but the Lord may put him on my heart, and I might slip up next to him during the invitation and just say something like this, are you saved? Do you know the Lord is your Savior? Now, watch this, here's the response. If he is saved, what would you say to me? There you go. Well, get away from me. What do you think you are asking me a question like that? No, it's exactly what he's going to do. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. I've been saved for 10 years. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian. But if he's not saved, chances are he's probably going to say, I'm not sure. And I've actually said to somebody in the service, 
Would you like to settle that? Would you like to know for sure? And I've had some people who have said to me, no, not right now. I've had some people say, no, I'm not quite ready. But they're never going to get saved if we don't ask them. If we don't give the instructions that God has given to us. That's why, that's why it's oftentimes called personal work. See, God uses us. How many of you, God sent someone to you and you got saved? That's me. Now, it might have been, been a gospel track that someone left, not a person. Might have been a preacher in a service that's still God sending somebody. But see, especially at Christmas time, you look at these truths here and you see that God has given us a message to deliver. We're just like the angels. We are God's messengers. We're ambassadors for Christ. And we need to make sure that we take the message that God has given to us and we deliver that truth with joy. And as we deliver that truth with joy, guess what's going to happen? More people will come to know Christ. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to, if, if, if I went up to Wally, I'm not going to pressure him. There's people that do that. I don't think that's right either. Because if he makes a decision, he's not making it for the right reasons. He's doing it because I'm, I'm forcing him or I'm pressuring him to do that. But what that person finds out is that somebody actually cares about them. I know this sounds foreign to some of you. But God has given us the message. He's commissioned us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to how many people? All creatures. Everyone. Not everybody's going to receive that message the way that maybe we would hope they would. But if we follow these three principles that we see here, then I guess what's going to happen is we're going to be more effective messengers for God. Look at this verse in Matthew 9, verse 31. The Bible says, but they, when they were departed, they spread abroad his fame in all that country. It's easy to talk about Jesus when we're in church. What about doing it tomorrow at work or at the store? You see, there's a lot of news out there. And we hear the news every day. But the best news you'll ever hear is that God sent us a Savior. And He is Christ the Lord. And the world needs to know Him. Let's ask individually, let's ask God to use us every day of our lives to talk to other people about the Lord. How many of you think if we do, then people, more people will get saved? I believe that with all my heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening, and I know the message has been a little bit more on the personal side. wasn't meant to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but sometimes I know even in my own life when I find that a message makes me uncomfortable, it's probably because I'm not doing what I should be doing. And I pray that maybe this would challenge all of us to be a more effective witness and messenger I love the thought of how the angel came and he 
the purpose of his coming was to deliver God's message and how you've given us the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. And we have the same responsibility as to go with your message to those that have never heard it before. Those shepherds, their lives were changed because they left the fields and they went to Jesus. And as we take your message to those that have never heard it before, we're actually introducing them to you. And I pray that as we introduce them to you and tell them about your love for them, that many more would come to know Christ as their Savior. And we'll ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.